Startup Life, Entrepreneurship, Innovation. Welcome to the Started at KBC podcast. Hello and welcome to another Started at KBC podcast. In this episode, I will take you through the ins and outs of selling to enterprise. How best to get large corporations to work with your startup? And what's the most effective and efficient way to approach them? What can you expect from their processing times from tendering until the closing of your deal? Well, I invited Steven Everaert, CEO at Impactor, and Brecht Kitz, founder at Play It Safe, who will be answering these questions and more from their perspective. Enjoy! Hi guys, let's start off with you telling me a little bit more about your very first sale. Steven, maybe you can start. Well, that's, uh, that's a long time ago. Uh, so when I worked at uh, CDS, which was uh, a company providing uh, a software for financial advice, uh, I was in a marketing role um, and my manager, who was uh, supervising sales and marketing, was inviting me to, uh, to come to a customer meeting. And at the end of the meeting, he um, suggested that I would take the lead for, for the rest of that, uh, of that process. And um, so, yeah, accidentally, I, I, yeah, I bumped into that, uh, that cycle and I had to, to do the, the demonstrations, um, look at the requirements of, of the customer, um, also define the next steps, uh, look at who was uh, in charge of, uh, of the process. Uh, and so accidentally, we, we, uh, we arrived at the letter of intent at that uh, customer. And my uh, sales director said, well, yeah, welcome to, to sales. So it was my first experience, which is probably highlighting also that sales is not just um, a process or, uh, or a job role. I think it's, um, it's a way of doing things and, and intuition uh, is important, uh, I believe. Okay, and what about you, Brecht? Well, to be very honest, I don't even remember my very first sale. I, I actually thought a lot about it uh, yesterday, but I, I don't remember my, my first sale. Um, it was probably four or five years back in my, in my previous company when we were really doing client work. Um, but I don't remember the specific case, so can't tell you a lot about that. I do remember the first sale of our uh, current company. It, okay. uh, it was actually a very fast sale yes. that went through, through a partner. So we've been working on it for uh, almost a year. Uh, on the partnership uh, deal and then the the first client that that came was actually very fast i think we closed him in in three weeks it was a, it was a corporate right it was a corporate yes. yes it was a big corporate about a thousand employees i think and brecht was talking um sorry steven was talking about um intuition um did you did you also use intuition to convince potential uh, potential buyers or or that as a matter of fact, that very enterprise? Yes, uh, it's, it's, it's intuition. It's more know what their problems are. So okay. you really need to talk to them and ask a lot of questions to see what their problems are and to see if you're actually a fit and if you can solve their, their problems. So if you want to call that intuition, then yes. Okay. Um, and what is the most helpful thing to do to get large corporations to work with your startup, according, I mean, from your experience? Uh, I think in, in our case, maybe your case is different, but it's, it's mostly about building relationships. If you're selling to corporates, the most annoying thing is it will take a lot of time. So uh, it will take a lot of time and you really need to 
talk to them, find out uh, how their organization works, because most of the times it, it's, it's different. Find out what their problems are, who your stakeholders are, and then build a re relationship uh, with them so they can actually trust you. That's the biggest issue in, in corporate, I think. Mm -hmm. Okay, and what about you, Steven? Well, adding to that, I think, I think it's indeed all about relationships, and I think it's uh, relationships at, at different levels. Uh, so uh, one person never stands for the full organization. Uh, you, you always have people who are uh, against something, against uh, change, against the initiative. You have people who are in, in favor of, of some things that, that are changing. So, so the person, I think the, one of the most difficult things is to, to qualify the person in front of you and, and see, is he standing for the organization? Um, can he bring you to a level that is, uh, that is making the decision? Or is he the decision maker? Uh, or is she the decision maker, uh, him or herself? The, these are the important questions. So you have to do your homework. You have to do your homework, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I, I totally agree. You need to talk to the, to the persons and they're, most of the time they're uh, different stakeholders that really uh, really make this decision. And in our case, it's a prevention advisor, it's the head of HR, and it's uh, the, the CFO. So we, we really try to get them together, even in in first meetings, uh, so they're all on board. And even the hardest part for, for us is still convincing, uh, how do you call them, the invisible stakeholder, the one who, who has a say, but you never meet. So that's the hardest part for us. However, I think a lot of startups wonder how to approach a corporate in the first place. Can you, tell, can you guys tell us a little bit more, uh, top down, bottom up, or both simultaneously? In our case, whatever it takes. Uh, we, we don't have a specific uh, way of targeting them that always works very fast. We, we have counterexamples of when uh, talking to the CEO, which we randomly meet, makes it go very fast. And other examples, talking to the CEO, that still leads to a trajectory of one year. So uh, whatever it takes. We, most of the time, try to handle uh, multiple angles. Uh, so top down, bottom up, and everybody in the organization we know, it's kind of a global domination strategy. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's so, so again, it's definitely multiple, uh, multiple angles. One of the, the most important differences I, I find uh, about working at, at a large corporation and working at a startup is that you, I think you're still perceived small, you're perceived uh, as, as a potential risk for, for, for the enterprise. Um, if, if as a big company, uh, they always say you never get fired for, for choosing SAP or for choosing Accenture, eh? because these are the boardroom decisions that, that everyone will, will accept. But if you, if you plan to, to work with a startup, it needs to be well, well thought about. And, and so um, it is important that you, uh, that you keep that into account. And in our experience, the most important thing is to, to find a sponsor, eh? to, to find the, the change agent internally, whether it's indeed the, the CEO or a very solid project manager or the sales director, whatever role, whatever title, the most important is someone who is willing to guide you through the organization and, and, and can, can act as your change agent uh, internally. And that is, we, we would even say if we, if we don't have or if we don't find that uh, change agent within the company, it's probably not, not a good fit with, with our uh, startup at this uh, moment. So, so it should also disqualify your uh, opportunities, I think. Yeah, I agree. Uh, we, we actually uh, have the same mechanic and we call those guys our internal champions. 
Uh, and if they don't have one, or if they're really in the beginning already asking the questions, why, why would I work with a startup? Then most of the time they're not a client for you. So it's better to move on to someone else. So you got to be able to do that. If, if it's not a good fit, you got to be able to just move on. Because most people are, I wouldn't say startups are kind of desperate, but if a potential client is a corporate, you most likely want to sell them your yeah. product, right? It's a mistake everybody makes and we even made. Uh, and we even had it with, with KBC, um, uh, where we, we, we thought we had a deal, everybody was on board. In the last minute, it really it bounced. We didn't yes. have the deal anymore. But we had tons of meetings, tons of implementation details. We wasted a lot of time. And, and you lost end, a lot of time and money. We, we lost yeah. a lot of time, a lot of time. And in the end, there weren't the clients for us because they were technically, on a technical level, they were not ready. Yes. Uh, and that's something we actually saw in the beginning, but we kept trying to find solutions uh, and we just ended up losing way too much time. But this is also about expectation management, right? How important is that? I can imagine it's kind of a big deal. It, I think expectation management is it's, it's crucial uh, as, a, as a startup, especially, uh, and, I, and probably from both sides as well. I think from, uh, from the side of, of the corporates, they definitely uh, want to see some corporate things c coming back, like uh, timelines, uh, a clear budget, um, whatever, uh, a, uh, a, a solidly defined, uh, defined scope. And, and things like that are, are elements that are important for, uh, for corporates as well as I think uh, some, some references, enterprise credibility and so on. So they have their level of expectation, which is put towards uh, big parties, but also towards a uh, startup. But vice versa, I think it's also important as a startup to, to define new level of expectations and, and not, uh, like Brecht is saying, avoid that, that corporates keep you busy and that you'd go from meeting to meeting to meeting because you can spend your full year on, on one account, not even coming close to, uh, to a deal. So I think it's important to prioritize your time and also say, after this meeting, the ideal next step should be this one. Yep. And if you don't get there in one or two or three meetings, then disqualify and, and, and keep, keep informing the, the customer, but stop about the, I would say, the, the, busy, the busy meetings that, that keep you drained for the, for the full year. Yeah, and totally how, agree. how do you proceed after you establish uh, first contact? Do you have a step-by-step -step guide? We don't have a step-by-step -step guide per se, uh, but with us it all starts with, uh, with a phone call, mm -hmm. uh, preferably first a phone call. So to start with the meetings, we actually skip that. Uh, because uh, we've learned that we need to do our qualification and uh, we need to determine whether it's worth to take the trip to their company instead of the other way around in the beginning. In the beginning, you're happy and everybody's a possible client and you just run to meetings. Um, so it all starts with a phone call. Uh, and during that phone call, we try to get a meeting if it's interesting for us and get the relevant stakeholders there. So we always ask, we want some somebody from prevention the CFO uh, or somebody with decision power on financials and uh, the head of uh, HR because we have benefits for all three and we really try to get them to the first meeting uh, and then it's a case-by-case -case basis. Mm -hmm. Again, I fully agree. So I think qualification is probably one of the most difficult processes in, in sales it's, uh, and it's defining who has the budget, uh, can he or she decide um, is there a need, is there a pain, and, and is there a certain timing? And timing is very important as well. If, uh, if your idea is interesting or appealing to a client 
but there's no sense of urgency and a sense of urgency can be created by by legal restrictions can be in your case for instance by, by safety regulations but it could also be that that margins are under pressure and they need to act but if there's no sense of urgency and and the three other elements budget accountability and, and need then probably there's no project and and so it's important to to qualify and disqualify pretty pretty fast yeah and one of the questions i think most people will be asking is well how do we do that uh, and maybe if we look at how we did it in the beginning, the biggest mistake uh, we made was that we were, we were pretty much afraid to ask questions. Uh, we were afraid to ask somebody, are you the decision maker? Do you, do you decide the budget? We were afraid to ask it because we didn't want to damage the relationship or something like that. But you really need to ask questions and uh, help them help you understand their organization. But how, where do you draw the line between being just straightforward and um, maintaining a good relationship? Because some, I can imagine some corporates like uh, startups who are very straightforward and to the point, but others are more like distant and don't prefer um, the straightforward approach. So where do you, how do you draw the line? It depends on the person who's sitting in front of you. So <laughs> it's kind of uh, the, the intuition aspect. You have people who like directness, you have people uh, who like uh, the fluffy approach. You can easily see, that, you see it when, when you talk to them. Um, but basically what you try to do is you try to frame it as if you want to help them. You, you want to help them. That's basically what you want to do. You don't want to frame that, but you frame your questions in that way. So you want to help them. In order for me to help you, I need to understand how your organization works because it's all different. Do you uh, make the decision or do I have to help you convince your superior? So, and that's mm -hmm. kind of the approach we, we take most of the time. Um, what do you guys see as the biggest pitfalls when it comes to selling to corporates? Time. Time, yeah, it's it's indeed like like we said before. It's it's uh, you need to take into account. I think a sales cycle of, of nine to twelve months, which can be longer if you don't qualify well, uh, which can be shorter if there is a, a big sense of urgency. But but you need to take into account time and and the illusion in the beginning is that probably after a good meeting, that you you're coming close to a deal. But you need you need to walk the process. And and so there again, it's important that one person in front of you is probably not the end point. There is in, in large corporations, there is, uh, there is finance, there is IT, which might have to do with integration of certain stuff and, and might not be pleased with your uh, startup kind of uh, solution. Uh, there is procurement, looking at prices, looking at uh, conditions, SLAs and so on. So you need to, to walk the process, and, uh, but don't, don't be frightened by it. Eh? So you know that uh, you, qualify, you qualify first, you, you look at the solution fit and then you do the other steps uh, coming, uh, coming to a deal. But indeed, time. Yeah, and that's one aspect of time. So the, the sales cycle, I don't think you can make it a lot faster in corporate. It's very, very hard to, to make it go fast because you have budgets. But you also have the second time aspect. And that's in, in corporates, many people have time and they really like to talk to other people. So they're, they're talking to you, they do meetings, they do extra meetings, and that's the second aspect of time, uh, your time that you're actually losing during meetings. But what about competition? There's always external and internal competition. I think there's always competition. So, so if uh, I have been at the other side as well, at the procurement side, and you always know that, that in, in most corporations, except if you have a uniquely 
uh, defined offer, but in most cases you have competition and you know that uh, they at least need three columns of, of vendors uh, to rate, uh, to rate and, and to make a decision upon. And don't underestimate also internal competition. And so when, when we talked about uh, change agents and, and sponsorship, um, in some cases you also take away the, the job of someone else or you, you change the, the job of someone else. So there might be, and there is always, in, in my opinion, especially in the domain in, in which Impactor is, there is always internal competition. Uh, people who are used to doing certain stuff in a certain way, uh, people who use tools, have developed their own tools uh, and, and consider it their babies. So, so always look at internal competition and not just at uh, external competition. But how, how do you tackle uh, competition? If, it, if, it's external, you need, if it's external, you need to look at the USP and, and, and probably the same goes for, for internal competition. And so I think both, for, both, for both levels of competition, you need to define where are you unique and most importantly also, where do you decide or where do you have your solution decided? If, it's, if indeed you are intrusive at a certain level uh, with a certain person and that person is also a decision maker, then this is going to be a difficult uh, sales cycle. But, but if you know that um, a couple of persons are part of a department and you know that uh, the director wants to reorganize the department anyway or is looking for a better solution or does see some innovation in, in, in the startup uh, that, that we are representing, then talk to that person and make the bigger, the bigger business case. Again, it's finding your, your sponsor and your uh, decision maker. Yeah. And telling them how they will win with your solution. Because indeed, there, there is always internal competition. Even, even the status quo is internal competition. We've been doing it for years. And okay, it doesn't work properly, but we've been doing it for years. Do, um, you, do you believe you need to have the guts to, I mean, I wouldn't say brag, but like to really uh, be confident about your startup? And oh, yeah. yeah. Can you tell me a little bit more about that from your experience? Well, I'm, I'm always confident, so <laughs> that, that, that's all. That's easy for, for that me. Helps. But but yeah, you really need to be confident about about your solution and and tell them why it actually. Why do you believe in it? And if you're a startup, you believe in your project. It will help them do their job better. Just tell them why. In our case, uh, we can uh, train people four times faster, and they will remember it thirty percent better. So that's that's very clear. And our mission is to save lives with games, and you really need to. Yeah, you, you need to live that. They, yes. they need to see that from you. And that's why, at, at least in the start, the, the co-founders are the best salesmen. Let's put it that way. Yeah, yeah, I agree. As a, so it's, uh, especially on the last comment as well, I think in the first phase, that the, the co-founders are the best people to, to sell. And because they, they believe in the, in the story and they need to be confident indeed and say, and, and even, I would not say overpromise, but be, be very confident and even talk about things that are still in, uh, being developed and, and that you know yeah. that, that within within three months they will be there but sell them now and uh, look at the sales cycle of nine to twelve months don't sell what what you have built so far but sell what you are confident uh, about building in in the, in the coming uh, six months as well yeah, yeah when, when when we talk to a client clients we give them our roadmap this is what we will do in the future we're, we're selling a vision transparency and, uh, transparency yeah and yeah. They're, they're always talking about yeah you're you're really passionate and they're just because yeah it's your baby and and we re we're, we're building that future so we're not building today we're building that future and i want them to be part of that future at, at least your first clients need to be part of that yeah. 
do you do you believe in B2B selling? Um, because um, some I see some companies in the in the startup ecosystem are still talking about the differences between B2B and B2C. Uh, but for me personally, I believe it's more about human to human, um, no matter the industry you're in. Would you guys say you agree or disagree, or what's your your vision on this? I'd say yes and no. Uh, it's it, it's more of a semantic discussion than something else. I I think it's no matter what you sell to, you're always selling to to people. Um, but there's a big difference in in, in targeting consumers and, and targeting uh, uh, corporations because the process is completely different. Uh, but don't think you're 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 targeting an, an entity. You you really need to talk to those people. And sometimes you you can. You can lose a corporation because there's this one person. It yes. happens, but I, but I, I really think it's a semantic discussion. Uh, yeah, and 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 adding to that, so the, there is a difference between between B two B, which is oriented small companies, let's say uh, ten to twenty people, and B two B, which is indeed yeah. I think the domain in which Brecht and, and myself are active. In the main, where you go to corporations that are always five hundred, uh, one thousand employees and uh, and more. And, and then you're not just talking to, to individuals, but you're also talking to a culture that is, uh, that is driven by, by that uh, organization. And with a culture goes, uh, goes a process. Uh, the, way, the way they buy, the way they, uh, they want to drive innovation, the way they want to be a leader or not on the market. And, and so it's not just about the individual uh, feelings and the individual human behavior, but it's also about a company culture at that moment. Yeah, like in our case, we, we actually have different types of, of clients. We have clients that are really, uh, really um, compliance oriented. We really want to do those trainings because we want to get accreditation A or because we, really, we, we want to abide to the law. And then you have other ones where safety is very important and they just want to do better and do better and do better. And it, it's a different story we need to tell depending on that culture. That, that's indeed a critical element. Eh? So in, in, in the business in, in which we are impactor and uh, data, data analysis for fast moving sector, we also see some, some businesses that are um, indeed more marketing oriented, some are more sales oriented. And, and this is not just um, a perception of the culture, it will also define who your decision maker will be. If it's a, a marketing company, the power will be with marketing. If it's a product company, the power will be with product. If it's a financially oriented company, the power will be with the CFO. So it's not just the way of, of perceiving the, the company culture, it's also defining new path to, uh, to a decision. Okay, and however, you've mentioned this before, but I still want something, you know, more concrete. As a startup, what should you expect from corporate processing times, from tendering to deal closing? Can you maybe give us a few numbers? I can give a few examples, but they're actually all extreme. Um, <laughs> like, for instance, our, our first clients, it went through a partner uh, and it was incredibly fast three weeks. If, you, if you're doing, a reg if you're targeting a, a regular, regularly corporates, that, that won't be possible. Um, I think if, if, if they have a tender, so tendering, it goes faster, but most of the times we're actually trying to sell to them without a tender. And then it takes a long time. Uh, there's this specific client who's really interested, uh, who's uh, probably, I say 95% uh, sure going to sign and we have been at it for 18 months. Uh, why? Because they wanted to check our solution, they did an audit and it just takes a long time. 
So it's actually very diverse. I don't know what your uh, experience is. Same feeling. So at Impactor, we, we also had the same experience of, of a sales cycle of, of two, three weeks, uh, which was indeed the case which was uh, brought forward by a consultant who said uh, at that particular customer, it was Bonduel at the time, they need something in that domain. And so we, we went to see the customer, they asked for a budget, the budget was in line with their expectations and we closed the deal within two, three weeks. That's, that's the most... Uh, that's the most extreme thing. On the other hand, I am currently working on, on customers that we are active on since the, the start of uh, Impactor, so more than one year and a half ago, and that are still not deal deal ready, yeah. I would say. So you have these extremes, and it's, de it's depending on, on the maturity of, of your customer, in, in what way did they already envision the solution, or did they, I would even go back, did they envision they have they have a pain point that they need to uh, they need to solve? So if that level of maturity has not uh, been grown yet, uh, do they realize what they're missing? Do they realize there is a solution? If these first two uh, two steps are not taken yet, yeah. then then you have a longer sales cycle because you are indeed still educating, informing, envisioning the customer, and that is probably the most rewarding part if you can uh, avoid tendering, but it's also the most lengthy part of uh, of all. Yeah. And it also depends per sector. For instance, we're active in the care sector and they have incredibly long sales cycles, but we're also active in, in, in retail. So that was our, one of our fast clients, uh, but also in construction and, and regular office. And it really varies a lot depending on, on the size, the budget, of course, as well. Uh, and whether they're ready or not, uh, and whether they even realize they have a problem, because we have a lot of clients that don't even realize they have a problem. You know, what strikes me is that one thing you guys haven't talked about yet is establishing trust. Because I, th I think, and, and I think many, a lot of stars would agree with me if I say that trust is really important, but how, in the past, how have you established, established trust? For, for me, it's part of, I haven't mentioned trust because it's the main part of uh, building a relationship. Yes, relationship. You can't build a relationship without trust. Yes. It just doesn't work. And you need to talk to them. You need to be straightforward. You need to, uh, don't bullshit them. You need to sell a dream. But if something is not in your platform, just tell them straight out. We can help you with this. No, we cannot help you with this. And it's something, it takes time. Um, it takes time. That's the most important part. Yeah. So, so it starts indeed with, with like practicing the, the position that you're taking yourself and you need to be trustful yourself in, in the first instance. Um, I would also add it's important that you you have some other people uh, saying the same about you. And, and if you have uh, other customers, reference customers, let them let them speak about you, bring them in contact. Uh, so, uh, so we closed recently, we closed the deal because I brought two sales director in contact with each other. And the one was saying, yeah, we worked with these guys for six months. They're doing a good job, and so this this was like opening the door at the at the other customer. So, so having some other people, professors, clients, um, institutes, uh, connections, talk about you in in a trustful way. That's that's definitely definitely adding as well. And finally, I would say um, it's it's an open door, but uh, promise what you deliver, and especially deliver what you promise. Okay. And be very harsh on that one. And also, under promise, promise and over deliver. Yeah, try to do that. Yes. Absolutely try to do that. And, and be harsh on your teams as well. If you see, I promise this, you need to put the flag and say, this is where we need to go to. Yes. I'm not 
satisfied with, with what we achieved yeah. so far. It needs to be better because I want to over deliver at that customer and then we are there. And, and so it starts with your own attitude as well, being very critical and harshing your team in an empathic way, but, but trying to, to put, uh, to put the rhythm. Yeah. yeah, that's true. And the, the social proof aspect that you're, that you're mentioning is also very important because if you take a look at our approach, uh, what, what helps building trust are partnerships that we have with, with, with bigger clients. The fact that we were in the media a lot, the fact that all our current clients are incredibly happy. Uh, even, even if you only have a few, but they're very happy, it helps. You go talk to that guy and he's very, uh, very enthusiastic about you. It helps to build, build trust. All right. Um, and my final question, what is it like to sell your product to corporate in other countries? What are, what are some cultural problems unique to startups that founders should be aware of? At, at this moment, I will probably not be able to give you the complete picture because we, we, still, we still mainly focus on, on Benelux uh, and, and the neighboring countries. In the first phase, we try to, to follow our customers. And so we have a couple of, uh, we all have multinational uh, customers. And so we try to follow them in, in other countries. Uh, like if you work at ABM, we try to follow them to the Netherlands, try to follow them to France and, and so on. That's the first strategy that, that we're taking. And of course, you see cultural differences. I think it's uh, when talking about transparent and open styles, it is easier, I find, to do business in, in the Netherlands than, than in Belgium. I it can is, imagine. Uh, <laughs> That, that's for sure. And so you see cultural differences. I would say in France, again, it would be more difficult. There's more politics playing. So there's definitely differences, but I would not be able to, uh, to give you the complete picture. Yeah, me neither, because we're, we're actually not yet international. Okay. Um, but we, we do have our strategy to, to go international uh, from next year. And first step will be indeed going through our existing clients who are international. And the second step will be to uh, see in which countries we can replicate our partner model. But we're not there yet, so can't help you with that. Okay. Um, if you should you have some learnings in the near future, you can always contact me. Um, but thanks to this podcast, I've already learned a lot. And I would like to thank both of you for being here today in Brussels. Um, I've learned a lot. Thank you. Started a KBC podcast. This podcast is made possible thanks to our strategic partners, KBC, Telenet, the Kronos Group, Accenture, Mobile Vikings, Flanders DC, Join, IMAC, and the University of Antwerp.